0: Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring. Five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, we help businesses find great new people every day. Right now, we're giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your $50 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.
2: He's a serial entrepreneur, a media innovator, a CEO of a publicly traded company, and the author of one of the hottest books out there called Disrupt You. He's been making the magic happen, and we'll talk about his magic as we get into the show throughout his incredible career. And he's a guy who did magic tricks to work his way through college, and he's making magic now. Let's see what he'll pull out of his hat today as we welcome Jay Samet to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt.
1: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlitt.
2: I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success.
1: This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazelet. brought to you by Fortunet.
2: Okay, Jay, You've done so many jobs and so many careers. I mean, and I go through, and as I've just done with the introduction, I mean, there's so many public companies, CEO, president, investor, entrepreneur, and now even professor. What's been, what's your favorite role?
3: I like to create things. I'm not the guy that runs US Steel and drives another 2%. I like to go into an industry, completely dis- disrupt the way things were done find where a new value can be captured and launch new businesses like eBay and LinkedIn. That's what excites me.
2: Yeah, well, you, you listen to that. You already got the plug in there before I could even get it out. Disrupt, the book. So talk to me about the book. Let's talk about the book. Then I want to get into more things about the things that makes things around disruption because that's what we're going to talk about. So you, we got the so, book out. It's hot, you know, which is really cool. How did you come up with it, the title? So
3: Disrupt You is really so many people want to change the world and they forget that it starts with changing yourself yeah you have to realize that from when you were a small child you were told you couldn't do this you couldn't do that and you constantly have these blinders and limitations and once you take those off that yoke is off your back and you can achieve anything and so I was lucky enough to be in high tech when the world came to where I was standing. And you wake up one day and dozens of your friends become billionaires. And it's not that these people are smarter, better educated, or had any connections. It's they looked at the world differently. So Disrupt You teaches you how to disrupt any industry, your career. And it's in three parts. The first part is a self-introspection. The second is how to look for opportunities in business. And the third is for those people that have already achieved in business how the same principles can be applied to governments, institutions, you know, through your own Arab Spring.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I'm always about driving change. My first book was The Mirror Test, and I and I, and I tell people that's one of the first things you got to do. And I love that you've reinforced it with, you know, the way you're writing about it is the look you – know, I say look in the mirror. And you got to be really introspective. I mean, when you looked at – you know, yourself and what you were doing. There had to be like a trigger or some point where you just looked around and said, I can change this because I feel good about what, you know, what you're doing, what who you are. Do you, you have to have that, self, that, that self-confidence, don't you?
3: Or it's forced upon you. So whether by choice yeah. or by circumstance, everybody's career will be disrupted. In my case, I came out of college much like millennials today, but you know, 30 years ago, there were no jobs. The U.S. was in a recession. And I had to find a way to eat, so I printed up business cards and pretend that I worked at a company. And then I was the sales guy, and nobody ever visited the company, yeah. and I went out and hustled any work I could do. And once I found out it was that easy, that basically an unemployed kid straight out of college could be it, make millions of dollars, I never took a real job until large corporations like Sony came to me and said, can you build a new division from scratch? Can you be an entrepreneur?" So. Society makes you come back and and solve problems, and that's all that success of an entrepreneur is. Identify problems and solve them.
2: You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they get hung up on the fact, or used, used to, not so much anymore, that you'd operate out of your house. Or like you said, you didn't even have an office. You put business cards. I remember my first time I started my business, around the same time i was i was in the basement of my home and i my name of my business was hazlett and associates and i remember i had the music cranked up one time jay and i was listening to it and all of a sudden somebody called and before i could turn the music off i answered the phone not thinking and then when I got on the phone, it was my, my one and only and my big client, because it was only one at the time. He goes, is that the associates in the background, you know, and, and I just I was so embarrassed. But now I would take great pride in that because you're out there teaching, too, as well. You're teaching entrepreneurism and, and teaching new techs at, at uh, California, right?
3: Yeah, so I'm at the stage of life where it's, it's, I've been very fortunate, how do I pay it forward? Mm -hmm. How do I make it less scars on the back of the next generation? Because if I could get on a soapbox for a second, when we look at what's happened this past year in Ferguson, in Baltimore, with ISIS, this isn't about race or religion. This is about massive unemployment for those under 30. The millennial generation is the largest generation this planet has ever tried to absorb. 85 million in the US, 2.3 billion globally. And it's been a jobless recovery. There are no jobs for these people. So unless we can teach people how to create their own opportunity, life as we know it ceases to exist.
0: Yeah.
2: What what are some of the characteristics that you would define or that people need in order to break through? I mean besides just the, the, first, the notion The first of, one Go ahead. Yeah.
3: The the first one is so unique to America and I and I lecture all over the globe, uh, Moscow, Paris, Mumbai, fear of failure holds back most people. Yep, yep. Now, I overcame this in high school and college when I realized, if you ask out the prettiest girl and she says, no, you're back where you started, yeah, you didn't yeah. actually lose anything, you didn't fail. Yeah,
2: well, maybe she and wasn't that pretty. And if you ask pretty. out enough of them,
3: yeah, maybe she one wasn't of them that says, yeah. yes.
2: Yeah, she might not have been yeah. that pretty in the first place, you know? <laughs>
3: Well, actually it's the opposite. The most beautiful women, everybody else was so intimidated to ask out that they were never asked out. So business is the same way. You go after an opportunity, and and so once you realize that there's no shame and failure, Bill Gates and Paul Allen had this brilliant idea. What if they hooked up computers to traffic lights and synchronized the lights to reduce traffic in cities? Mm -hmm. The company was called Traffic Data and went bankrupt. They didn't throw in the towel and say, oh, we went bankrupt. We should never work again. Their second company was called Microsoft. It did a little bit better. Yeah. It changed the world. Exactly. You know, Henry Ford didn't launch Ford Motor until he'd been bankrupt three times, mm-hmm. he didn't do that until his 50s. So that's part of it. The second one is you learn more from the failure. Capitalists, venture capitalists, private equity are more likely to back somebody that tried a business and failed than somebody going out on the first time. Yeah,
2: exactly. But you, you, when you think about it, and you've got in your book, you, you got some analogies around disruptive businesses, including some of the people like Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, you know, you name some of those folks, and you know those people, and I know those people. In fact, some of them have been customers of mine or, or you know, guests of the show. What separates those people from anyone else trying to succeed?
3: Well, there's one chapter that will surprise you in the book that when you look at the most successful entrepreneurs, though the Walt Disney's, the Richard Bransons, the Jobs, etc., we all happen to have what we were told was a disability as a child, which is we're all dyslexic. Mm. One third of the entrepreneurs in the UK, according to a study that's quoted in the book, are dyslexic. Are you dyslexic? And, and the are, reason are you, is, are you
2: a dyslexic as well?
3: Yes. Oh, wow. The reason is our brains are actually hardwired differently. Now, good news and bad news. We were told this was a problem. It turns out that we solve problems non-linearly, so it allows us to see a solution without having all the pieces. But what I talk about in the book is from twin studies and other stuff, anybody can physically rewire their brain. Mm -hmm. You can change the physical structure of how you think. And it's very simple and very easy exercises to do. So anybody can be, you know, handicapped like we are.
2: Well, you know, I'm not dyslexic, but I consider myself, and you and I have walked in some similar shoes, and we're also very disruptive people, which has made us extremely successful. You know, you don't stay somewhere, quite frankly, all that long in one place. Uh, I've never stayed more than, you know, four years in any one particular job. But I'm not dyslexic, although I do know a number of people, and now I'm thinking about it, the founder of Kinko's, Paul Orfila, he was dyslexic, and he was the founder of Kinko's, for instance, which I think that's ironic because uh, it's a printing business, um, you know, and then here he was the founder of that. But but I think I'm like you, Jay, in that, that we sit in a room and all of a sudden, someone you know throws a problem out there, and we see the solution like in three megaseconds. You know, and we and we've 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 already mapped out all the things that will take to get to that point uh, in that three seconds. And I, you do well, think you, like that, you, don't you?
3: Yeah, you bring up a key point, and it's not so much that we have it all mapped out. Let's not not give ourselves too much credit. Yeah, exactly. What really happens is we work backwards from the solution.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So we say, I know the end state what do I have to do before that? And to get to that, what do I have to do that? And before you know it, you have a roadmap as opposed to how do I get from here to there, which is the wrong way to try to solve these things. And so it's a very same process that all these people have used. And now we live in an era of endless innovation where things are in the cloud, where you don't need to raise the type of money. You have 6 billion people that are one click away from you on your phone. So The idea of the self-made billionaire in their 20s is happening monthly now. It's not the rarity, because we are so interconnected. And this isn't just about technology. I give examples of people doing stuff with kids' toys and restaurants and pet food. It all follows the identical
2: steps. How about speed, because you're saying it is happening more rapidly. Are the the decisions that you must make to be disruptive uh, coming faster, so you have to, to, to move and act quicker than you used to be?
3: Yeah, and that's where the individual entrepreneur has a huge advantage over the large corporation, which is so busy doing these annual planning cycles and competing against their old competition. You know, I used to be a global officer at Sony. Mm -hmm. Sony saw their competition as Mishusta and Panasonic and and Toshiba and all the other Japanese manufacturers. They didn't notice Microsoft and Apple and all these other new companies coming in and eating their lunch. And now that... Google and Apple are so big, it takes startups to invent new things. Android didn't come from development of Google and their thousands of engineers. They had to buy it. One of the things that your listeners probably don't realize is most of the millionaires in Silicon Valley became millionaires by selling money-losing companies.
2: Yeah, Yeah, because they weren't making a lot of money at the time. I mean, they were just yeah. acquiring either the audience or acquiring the users or the or the folks that were using the apps. That's that's a good point. Or Or
3: playing catch-up. Yeah. So it gets them a foot in a new area that they need to get into, and it's easier to buy a, a business even if it's not making any money. And this continues. So with so much change from the Internet of Things, from big data, from autonomous vehicles, 3D printing, and you don't have to be an engineer, every university has billions of dollars of research that they've created and patented, just sitting, waiting for an entrepreneur to come up with something to do with it. I'll give you my favorite story from the book. It's World War II. The Japanese have Asia, so we can't get any rubber. We're trying recycling in the US. There's not enough rubber for for, for tires and planes and everything. So all the greatest labs are working on synthetic rubber. And these guys at GE invent this rubber that it stretches it does everything but it won't stay in a shape and they send it to everybody everybody loves pulling it and this and that but they can't do anything make a long story short a guy sees this after the war and he says let me take a crack at it he puts it in little plastic eggs and takes it to toy fair and names it silly putty Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the government spent millions and millions of dollars on a failed rubber and he sold 300 million eggs
2: yeah, unbelievable. He
3: didn't have to invent it.
2: All right. Yep, just saw. Just sit there, saw what the applications played around with it, what can I do with it, and then turn it into something that millions of kids and wanted to buy.
3: Every day I see and meet people that go through, and there's now websites. NASA has a great website that anybody can take any of those patents for free right. and go build stuff, turn it into a business.
2: Hey, you made another comment that, that i'll give you a quote and i'll read it the most successful people have the same 24 hours in a day that you do are the most successful people just doing more with that Uh, obviously they are but what are those things that they do that 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 make a marked difference
3: well it's funny bill gates used to say if he wants to get something done he gives it to a lazy person because they'll find the shortest way to do it (laughs) so it's really about maximizing your day focusing on those things that will yield the greatest results and being efficient and as you start looking at yourself as a product and you start saying what are your strengths what can you push off to somebody else that they can do adequately enough what is the special stuff that you have to focus on you'll find yourself much more efficient and you'll surround yourself with a great team
2: Exactly right. Well, I tell you what, um, Jay. As you know, if you don't do it right, there's nothing more disruptive than taxes. And I got to take a break. All business is glad to have the support of one of the leaders in the tax preparation field. That's Liberty Tax. It's the fastest-growing retail tax preparation firm ever, with over 4,000 offices nationwide in Canada. It's also a great for seasonal franchise opportunity. So if you're looking to be disruptive, find out more at libertytax.com. So. And, and by the way, I want to talk about something that's in your background, and, and I just read about it, but I really didn't know the extent of it. And that's magic. What, why is? How, what, what was the tie-in to magic for you?
3: So, at four years old, I saw a magician, and it's like anybody that finds their passion. When I saw somebody that could stand up there and transfix a room and do something, um, it just was the most amazing thing to me. And where it's helped me in business is when you go to see a ballet dancer you want to see them dance their best a singer you want to hear them hit their perfect notes when you go to see a magician you want to see them fail because you're trying to figure out the secret So it's the only art form where the audience is against the performer so if you can overcome that and that's how i paid my way through college and i still perform at the magic castle if you can overcome that Inventing video on a computer, or an internet auction, or uh, any of the various technologies that that I've been involved in, that's easy. because investors want to invest. That's why they invited you to the meeting, you know?
2: What what about, let me, you did a lot of change. When you were at EMI, you know, you, you moved a lot of vinyl over to digital. I mean, that was a big part of what you do. I mean, if I look at the background, you had the first record label to offer digital albums you won a Grammy for the first digital release. I, I believe you signed uh, the Beatles to the very first digital con, uh, uh, contract, and I think you even did mobile ringtones at the time, which, I mean, yeah. that was recreation of an old business in a new one. That was very disruptive. You know, what are the yeah, things- Let me put it- Go ahead.
3: Let me put it on the time frame. This is the time of Napster. Everybody's stealing music, and try some this before we sat down with, with Steve Jobs and did iTunes. We couldn't find a way to get anybody to buy an album digitally or buy a song. Yet, we figured out how to get people to pay $2 for 10 seconds of a song, yeah. and the first year did $1.6 billion. If you don't want to talk about the people who thought this was the dumbest thing on earth, the second we knew it hit, we went around to every telco around the world and said, here's a new revenue stream for you. You can sell content. And it was that genesis of now turning a phone into a shopping device, that gave Apple the idea to come up with a phone that has apps. So the other rule is you never know what you're going to discover when you start really looking at a problem. And most of the great successes out there that we think about actually pivoted from a different idea. And I'll give you an example uh, that's in the book that's an a, 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 a associate that you and I both know well. Online dating was a big thing. And online dating has a picture of the person and you go oh my god that picture could be 20 pounds or 20 years old what if we made videos of the people Mm -hmm. so they they launched a thing called tune in hookup where you could look at videos and hear the person's voice and get to know them and all that and they were convinced this was going to make them rich they put up the videos and no one wants to date these people but some of the videos were so funny to look at that they told their friends to go to the site and more friends they changed the name of it after a year to youtube yep exactly jet, at the end of that year the they became billionaires Exactly. without making a penny in revenue
2: but you kind of you kind of had the very first as I recall back and reading of some of your bio stuff and I know that some of the the big business stuff I didn't know that you had done this but AnimalHouse.com. that was like the first Facebook of its time right
3: so that was Facebook ten years before Facebook uh, first web-based social network for college kids got one out of five college kids to join the first year Voiceover IP ten years before Skype, um, first ads on on the internet, so to speak. Double Click came out of that. CBS Sports line came out of that. Mark Cuban's audio came out of that. It was an amazing time to have all these forward thinking people. So today we think of these various people as you know these billionaire icons, but they were no different than every person listening uh, well, remember, to the show. Remember
2: Mark selling his business back way back when? I mean, I couldn't believe he got the valuations that he did in that business and uh,
3: absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and and his he only became a billionaire because there was a lockup on the stock yeah. that he wasn't allowed to sell it, and went up so high exactly. it was locked up. Yeah,
2: because yeah, he would have probably he would have cashed out, knowing Mark. I mean, everybody would. Yeah, have. He was obnoxious. So the whole thing, thing is these
3: people, now. these people were natural disruptors. They, they they tried a different path, and anybody can learn this and disrupt you.
2: Yeah. Hey, speaking of ringtone, what's your what's your ringtone? You must have a, do you have a special ringtone?
3: So I do something that I'm shocked everybody else doesn't do. I have a different ringtone for each important person. So before I grab the phone, I know it's one of my sons, it's my wife, it's my boss, it's a a client, it's a friend. So I sign a a favorite song that makes me think of each person.
2: I have that for each of my my wife and my kids. Each have their own. And then I have, uh, for everybody else, I have the good, the bad, and the ugly, the theme song from that that's what mine are. (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell you what my wife's is because it's just a joke between the two of us and it's a special one but and then I have one for my daughter and and one for my I I picked the most obnoxious one for my daughter because it just made her mad and my son was was a fun one that we did it was a a blast to do which is kind of but it's back
3: to being efficient
2: yeah exactly and then I know who's calling me and which I I really like hey talk to me about uh, this one I love this that you I laughed when I read this quote. Most startup failures result from entrepreneurs who are better at making excuses than products. And I I just yeah. I started laughing when I heard that it it's so true. I hear
3: endlessly. If only we could have gotten our funding. If only the economy did this. If only that. You know what? Somebody else built a business.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the
3: world kept on going. Yeah. So the the corollary of that is don't give false praise to a startup. The worst thing you can do is tell them how great it is when what you really need to do, and this is what's in in Disrupt You that's different, you don't want to nourish a startup. You want to try to kill it. The faster you can kill the idea and say, this is the world's worst idea, you're saving money and you're saving time. And those are the runway till death of your business. So if you can find a flaw with it before you code it, if you can go out to 10 people that would use it and get an honest answer of what's wrong with it, you're making it better through that. And when you can come up with what I call the zombie idea, the idea that can't be killed, the walking dead, then go out and raise money. Too many people go out so convinced that they know it all and they blow through a bunch of cash only to have the epiphany of what they should have done when there's no cash or runway left.
2: Well, then something that irks me, and I know it irks you because it actually is a quote I'm going to give you because you just talked about cash or raising money. A serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and public company CEO, nothing irks me more than when a startup founder talks about wanting to cash in with an IPO. Doesn't that just piss you yeah. off? It just pisses me off when I hear that.
3: Because what what they don't understand is the only person that makes money on an IPO is all the investors. Yeah. No one's going to back a company where the founder is going to be selling his stock.
2: Exactly.
3: So an IPO is a chance for those people that took a big risk on you when it was all a pipe dream to get rewarded, as they should. But for you, you, the founder, it's not an exit. And most of these people that, that talk that way don't understand the process.
0: Yeah,
2: I go out to fans and I ask them, and I, I had a number of questions, but I picked one. Ali Samana asked this question, he, and he sent it to me on LinkedIn, because I always ask for all the, on various social media platforms, I ask him, you know, what would you like me to ask? And this one's the one I like the most. Because of your background and everything else, he said, what innovations do you see in business social media in the next five years?
3: Oh. Well, I really believe the Internet of Things, and that is connecting inanimate objects to the Internet and social, will radically change the way we interact with our environment. So, simple example, we take for granted, and if you ever want to get in trouble with the TSA, try this, when you're on a plane, go ask everybody sitting next to you what they paid for their ticket, and you'll find no two people paid the same. There's tremendous algorithms that figure out time of day, if you looked at the website three times, and they juggle the prices. Well, with the Internet of Things and knowing more about everybody, everything you buy at retail, you and I could be in the same store at the same time, Jeff, and we'll pay different prices. Because they know that last week you bought Pampers, so I'm not going to give you a Pampers coupon, but I bought Huggies, so they'll give me a Pampers
2: coupon. Well, how are they going to know that? The They're going to know that because your phone is standing yeah, there with you. I device, exactly. It's the most personal device there is, and it's tied to you. You know where that is more than you know where your children are. I mean,
3: so and why like, do you think Apple wants to make cars? Yeah. Because cars, when they become autonomous, will no longer be about you driving and just listening to radio. It'll be a portable entertainment center yeah. that can deliver advertising and e-commerce and all this other experience to fill that time.
2: Mm-hmm. And also uh, help you when you pull in, know what your orders are, know what you want, know when you need it, and remind you of those things that you want. You know, you're you're gonna see, uh, and people don't understand the full extent of it. You know, you're gonna see little chips in your toothbrush with wireless devices. You're gonna see them, you know, I even joked, you're gonna see them on ear tags of cows or horses, so you know where your cows are in the various pastures. If you have 10,000 acres, you're gonna know exactly where you're, you know, to give you an example of of agriculture, that's the level it's gonna go to.
3: It's, it's happening today, I'll give you an example. Poaching has become so bad, as you know, the last Sumatran rhino has no one to mate with and the black rhino's dying. They now have tags on all the rhinos in, in, in Botswana and they use low-flying drones to keep track of them and know if any of them are moving in, a, in algorithms and say, in a non-natural methodology, they can go in and, and get the poachers before they kill people, I mean, they kill the animals.
2: Yeah, it's great, which is good stuff. Hey what about what other things you're going to see in I mean look you're big in OTT with the stuff you're doing now and I'm a big huge fan of that building my own uh, over the top but what what do you see in digital media uh, besides just the internet of things that you that you think is just going to be uh, some good stuff that you, or at least what you're seeing now I don't want to get you too future out because I don't want you to So as you,
3: know, as you know I'm CEO of a public company SeaChange, right. that invented video on demand and powers most of the world's cable companies we're entering into an era where video is completely going to be reinvented over the next five years. Huge opportunities for entrepreneurs. The the reason for a network to exist, of scheduling things for Thursday at eight o'clock, or selling ads, well, Thursday at eight o'clock disappears and the selling ads is now programmatic. Right. You can now have every show producer, every content person, just like you're doing, just like Glenn Beck just did, and just like Howard Stern's about to do once again, to the consumers you don't need to be part of a giant media company and there'll be others that will aggregate these around the world into new bundles and you'll now see bundled with hardware just like they used to sell software with pcs so why do i buy this tv set or that tv set this one comes with this content package of you know four years of netflix and this one comes with nfl and and you're seeing this on phone so a complete reimagining because video has become a primary means of communication. Um, pictures, a primary means. We're, we're coming into a post-literate era. The majority of the world's photos were taken in the last 14 months. Let yeah. that sink in for a second. Yeah, Well, uh, having been
2: at Kodak, I get that. You know, I understand yeah. that. Well, you know, that, that puts more pressure on the creator to really serve the community and i think the community is the new broadcast station it's it's your you know the stronger your community the stronger your your tribe of people that you can go out and reach to that's how they find you don't you think that's going to be pretty critical
3: well what you're hitting on is we don't have any shortage of great content we have an inability to curate and find it the old channel guide that we grew up of where there were three channels and you know how hard is it to find something In a world of endless content of 300 hours getting uploaded per minute to YouTube, you look at people that recommend to you. You know, our social feed does this for us. Um, uh, I I wonder why I have over 100,000 business executives that follow me on Twitter. It's because I'm part of the curation of getting knowledge and information that they think is important to
2: them. So I need to take another break, and we talk magic, but there's no magic well, Duncan's doing some magic, at least business magic. Those guys have grown to over 8,000 restaurants, and we're talking about fast casual restaurants now in 41 states and another 3,000 plus in 36 countries. These guys are getting big. Sounds like it's not just America that runs on Duncan, it's everyone running on Duncan, and all business runs on Duncan. My producer likes his Duncan Black. My booker, she likes hers Ice, and I'm powered by Duncan Espresso. Jay, are you a coffee drinker?
3: i'm a big dunkin donut eater
2: <laughs> oh what's your favorite donut jelly uh, i do you like jelly what kind of jelly do you like the, like the blueberry or the red kind
3: dr like raspberry red
2: oh see i don't even know oh i didn't even know what they had names I gotta, I gotta figure that out i'm not allowed to eat donuts anymore but if i could i like apple fritters i have always liked them like oh i like those sour cream ones you ever have those
3: Hey, I've never seen anybody not smile eating a a donut.
2: Exactly. I'm smiling now just thinking about it. I just got to (laughs) be able to figure out how I can get it by my wife. But other than that, you know, she's been doing a good job keeping me off of stuff. But I, I really been a fan of Duncan and I, not just because they pay me, but because I really like their coffee too. And it's just something I've gone to. So let me, let me ask you about, um, somebody at Wired once said you had the coolest job in the industry. Um, you know. You've really been at the at the forefront. How did you get at? Were you just this lucky, Jay? I mean, you've been at the yeah. middle. Yeah. We do get lucky sometimes, don't we? The,
3: yeah. the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. yeah. Um, real, realistically, I started on the internet when no one knew what it was, mm-hmm. and the world came this direction, and I kept on seeing what the next thing would be. Now I'm at a stage of life when people ask me, how am I so accurate at predicting the next big thing? It's because I hang out with the people that are writing the code. So it's no great surprise of what products are coming out a year or two or three from now. Uh, but it's been a wonderful ride, and it's, the pace of change is faster than it's ever been. The opportunities are grander than they've ever been, and the amount of capital to make these things happen is smaller than it's ever taken. So it's really the most fun time and globally,
2: you know I the world to, is
3: full of new ideas.
2: Yeah, I talked to Steve Forbes, and he was kind of like doom and gloom about the economy. what do you think the economy is going to be doing? I mean you sound like from right now, based on this, you you're pretty enthusiastic about things.
3: So when you look at, at some of the macro issues for what's traditionally the Wall Street approach, the era of the mega corporation leading, you know, that's designed for mass consumption yeah. of one product. You know, that worked when we had three T V networks and you're trying to sell soap, you buy three commercials at the same time and you reach ninety percent of the US. We're now talking about 3D printing where each person can have a customized thing made locally in their community, the sharing economy mm-hmm. of of why do you need a car when you can have access to a car or access to a lawnmower or access to other things. So from a corporate perspective, it's harder for the big guys to figure out where to put giant dollars when all of this is percolating up in a thousand different uh, blooms.
2: Yeah, do you, do you think the media spends way too much time talking about the bigger companies when they should be focusing on all these other opportunities that are out there?
3: I, I think we don't pay enough attention to how fast things are changing. Yeah. Uh, the one examples I always use is Would you, you wanna go to an experienced doctor, you wanna go to a doctor, let's say that's 50, but would you go to that doctor if they never learned anything since they left medical school 30 years ago? 100% of the drugs on the market today didn't exist then? Of course not. So we understand that doctors, to stay a doctor, have to continue to learn and grow and do new things. We as human beings, wherever we are in that, in our career, have to do the same thing. For corporations, that's pretty tough to do. You know, you came from Kodak, which invented the digital camera, but it didn't have the margin and the threat to to the silo that had film. So it got stifled, but that didn't kill it. That just meant it wasn't going to grow at Kodak. Right. I see this happen time and time again, where big corporations are fighting the last battle, not the next one. And that is why it's so exciting to be an entrepreneur right now, because they'd rather overpay for your business and take the risk of it developing it themselves
2: well it gets the whole theme of the book that's why you need to be disruptive i mean i always tell people that the time in which you got it perfect change it you know get it get moving again and find the next thing find out another way you can make it better and better and better continuous improvement which you know big 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 part of success okay time for rapid fire jay so okay buckle, buckle up man Uh, I know you're a big-time CEO, publicly traded company. You've done all this stuff, but this is rapid fire. So here's the questions. Digital or vinyl? Digital. Digital. Okay, well, that makes sense because of where you're coming from. Uh, What about Houdini or David Copperfield? Oh, Houdini. He invented
3: entertainment marketing. Yeah, he was. The magic is almost secondary.
2: Yeah. Every, he, everything that we think he's about
3: celebrities, he invented.
2: Yeah, he was a showman. He was like the superstar of his time. I mean, he, there's no place he couldn't go at the time. All right, how about Penn or Teller?
3: Um, known them both since they were called the Asparagus Valley Cultural Society. Uh, it's hard to separate them. Uh, I'll go with Penn because of what he does beyond just in Penn and Teller.
2: You know, I like Penn. Penn's a very good friend of mine, and he is really really smart he is one of the he's just somebody i and every time i go to vegas i give him a call and you usually he and i have sh- a dinner before a show because i just like talking to him you know the and, aristocrats is one of the funniest films ever made oh, it's hilarious and I, you know what i also love pissing him off too because you know he's such a he's a he's an atheist and so a lot of times during you know dinner or something i'll say something like thank god or something and then that just sets him off and uh, really go after him so uh, how about this one? I want you to fill in the blank. I'm all about disruption, but don't even think about disrupting me when I'm blank.
3: When I'm watching a movie.
2: Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Blazing Saddles. Do you really? you like comedies over um I, I, I love
3: nothing more than laughing, and I love, if if you actually break it down, Mel Brooks was a disruptive filmmaker. The things it did in Blazing Saddles were never done on the screen before and have set the whole tone of every film after.
2: He, he, it was only, almost like he was the only guy that could do it. He, he broke some, ta- some taboos, which was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, what magic trick do you always have up your sleeve?
3: Oh, I always carry a, a deck of cards and, and a, a number of other items. Do you break, you do, you break
2: do you when. break? Yeah, I was gonna say in the middle of a meeting, do you break it out? Hey, pick a card. Do you do that? I have a friend. You, you I've done that
3: has- in board in board meetings to <laughs> people around the world whose eyes drop and like, what is this crazy man? But I've also done it to calm a kid at an airport or uh, after an uh, earthquake in Armenia. You know, when there's no other way to communicate to people magic will take you out of your body and not thinking of the pain that you're experiencing
2: yeah that's a cool thing you know I, I there's some kids that they're very special this weekend I went to a high school graduation and they still remember when they were four five and six and I used to do a little sleight of hand because that's all I knew was a couple of ways to hide coins and and they still remember that and still love that yeah. it just always has that uh, do you know Shep Hyken at all you know, Do not. Okay, Shep's a ma- former magician. He's the president of national speaker association, and he's a fellow uh, CBS uh, play dot it. And he's a he uh, he he's always carrying around a deck of cards. I mean, we could be at a bar somewhere. He's always pulling it out. Okay, here here this is a setup, but I'm going to give it to you because I I love what you're doing with c chain. Is TV over or over the top?
3: Uh, <laughs> TV will never be your grandfather's TV again. Yeah. It will be where you want it when you want it how you want it on the device you want it with a wide range of models of paying for it yeah
2: i always get the the, you know i know it's called over the top but you know tv's tv it's just it's going to be just in a different place i mean i i'm loving it i'm loving the stuff that you and others have gone out and built because i'm grabbing them i'm taking them and i'm taking content and putting it out there for people to see where they want to see it and they'll guess what They pay you for this, you know. It's awesome.
3: But it it also turns out that there's unintended consequences. So nobody, when we invented any of these technologies,
2: thought that there'd be
3: a thing called binge watching. Yeah, we all do it now. Yeah, like oh my god, I've been too busy. I have not seen Orange Is the New Black. Mm -hmm. But I have to go give a speech in Botswana. I will be on a plane for 30 hours.
2: I will. download them all all. yeah you know i did the did this on my vacation i downloaded outlander i downloaded rome the series from hbo i I, you know all these different ones and i just watched them all and i just love them you know that's what we do when we have you know an eight hour flight let's you know i'd rather do that rather than work
3: and there's more great content being made today people don't realize we're actually in the golden age um in last year's Emmy ballot, I think there were a hundred dramas available. Mm-hmm. This year, there's 144 new dramas that are on the nomination ballot. Well,
2: that's just what's broke through, you know, because there's a lot more than that. Because oh, agree, well know, but I'm just yeah. saying that's
3: for, for big budget, professionally produced, you know, million-dollar an episode stuff. Yeah. There's tons of stuff on MCNs, there's tons of stuff on YouTube. I mean, we've all gone through our Facebook feed and realized we've just blown through two hours of watching videos that we didn't realize were irresistible.
2: Yeah, well, or that we're just junk and we shouldn't have been watching anyway, but we're but we still find it fascinating, you know. I get sucked into those all the time, but I, but there is great, great television that's being created that never gets through the pilot, but there's great pilots and they become great shows that become, you know, things you can watch, whether they're pilots or some of these people, I know someone who has 300 episodes of interviews that they've done and has never been able to break into the big. Well, we brought that onto our C-suite TV and it's one of the most watched shows there is. And it goes behind the brands of these various companies, and he's just doing a great job with it. So it's just fabulous to see that kind of content break through and people get to see it. And And it's,
3: you're a curator for a community. That's the role that you're playing, to help people find the gems.
2: Well, I tell you what. I want to give you a shameless plug. If I, if it could plug anything, and and uh, hopefully one, it's going to be your book. But if you want to plug something else besides the book, because the book, you know, bestseller, it's unbelievable. It's hot. It's you know, disrupt you. And you know, so the disrupt
3: is to... available in hardback, in ebook, in audio. I recorded the audio book so you could hear straight from the author's voice. Uh, it's available in a bunch of languages: Chinese, uh, Korean. Um, oh, wow. It will change your life. It will shorten your journey. And I have a special gift to your listeners. If they just contact me, at either jaysamet.com or on Twitter or wherever, and they want the companion workbook awesome. so that they can map out their future, it's a 40-page workbook, I will send that to them for free.
2: You are a gentleman and a disruptor. And I say that with great, great pride in being one of those fellow disruptors with you. So, Jay, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later.
1: Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world. Jeffrey Hazlett hosts all business brought to you by Fortinet.
0: There are five times more hires made through indeed.com than any other job site. Imagine a lottery that had five times more winners. A Sunday with five times more touchdowns. When you're hiring, it makes five times more sense to use Indeed. Indeed. Right now, we're giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your $50 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett.
2: I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success.
1: This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazelet. brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.
2: okay at the end of every show i'd like to talk about the things i learned and i have met jay before and as you could tell from the interview we're two peas in a pod although i'm a lot bigger in terms of physical size but not in the energy And that's one of the things I learned. He's enthusiastic about what the future entails for all of us, especially for entrepreneurs, especially for people who want to really make it happen. And you can, it's faster now. It takes less capital, but One of the things that he said is you gotta do it with great speed it's shorter and shorter and shorter in the time speed and you have to take advantage of that speed so fail fast if you're going to fail fail fast fail often and then you learn from those mistakes a lot quicker so try to kill the things that you're doing because that only makes you tougher so don't forget tension is a good thing so go out there and create some tension no pain no gain as, as they say in sports and Boy, it's been lots of gain here that we've got here at All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on play.it. Tell your friends to join us and listen in.
1: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett.
2: I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success.
1: This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazelet. brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.